Welcome to Giant Size Violence, an Ultra Mega Podcast. I'm your host, Grant. And I'm your other host, the other Grant. And today, we're going to be doing something a little different. One of the main things I want to do with this podcast is explore some of the most important franchises in the genre that Ultra Mega takes its influence from. That being the Japanese special effects genre known as tokusatsu, which we discussed a little bit in our coverage of the first issue of the series. Now, for our first episode exploring tokusatsu, we're going to be taking a look at the most popular superhero in the genre, Kamen Rider. Now, it might make more sense for us to start with Ultraman, since that's the series that Ultramega pulls most of its visual influences and character designs from, but I kind of want to test out our format a bit here so I can do Ultraman proper justice later. Also, I think Kamen Rider actually has a few more entries that would appeal to the fans of Ultra Mega a little bit more, so I'd like to be able to point them to some of the better entries in this genre. And also, in Ultra Mega Issue 2, which Nate and I just covered, there's a bit of a reference to Kamen Rider, so the timing just felt kind of right to me. But getting to the topic of the hour, Grant, what's your exposure, if any, to Kamen Rider? Like, had you ever even heard of the character really before I started arranging for this episode? So prior to your mentioning Kamen Rider, I was vaguely aware of the series and kind of as an amalgamation of Kamen Rider and Super Sentai in my mind, like they kind of look similar and then act similar. The the shows are arranged similarly, at least I thought they were. So I just thought of it as like the Japanese Power Ranger. And I'd seen the first episode and that was it. Yeah, honestly, describing it as, like, Japan's main Power Ranger is a pretty accurate description. Like, for those who have no visual idea of the character, that's something I'll be pulling from a lot. So, answering the question of who and what is Kamen Rider, I've often heard people jokingly refer to the character as Motorcycle Karate Bugman, which, (laughs) honestly, is a, a pretty accurate description of the character, at least the main aspects you need to know. Kamen Rider is a motorcycle-based superhero with a suit and powers and transformation device all kind of similar to that of a Power Ranger. His TV show, which has been going since 1971, uh, it's a bit of a mix of like classic 60s Batman, Doctor Who, and Power Rangers all rolled into one. Uh, it's a series that every year or two gets a completely new incarnation with a new hero, new villains, new supporting cast, new costume design. Uh, normally the visual theme of the character is insect-based, uh, traditionally something like a grasshopper or praying mantis or beetle, but the show in recent years has gotten a lot more experimental with its themes. We've seen common writers that have been based on dragons or ghosts, or in one case even fruit ninjas. So there's a lot of different interpretations and ways this character has been portrayed over the years. Now, as far as why we're talking about this character, why we're starting off with him, is that he's kind of the originator of a lot of tropes in this subgenre of transforming heroes that's known as henshin heroes, as far as toku terms go. Now, that term, henshin heroes, actually comes from this show. Uh, Every time Kamen Rider does his little pose and transformation with his belt, he shouts out the word henshin, which is Japanese for transform, and he gets turned into the Kamen Rider. Uh, Now, this is actually where things like Power Rangers and Sailor Moon or even American shows like, say, Ben 10 or Danny Phantom uh, get this idea of having the superhero with a transformation device that changes them into something better and they fight waves of bad guys. Uh, This is actually also the origin of the concept of the martial arts hero that fights waves and waves of henchmen, eventually squaring off against a monster of the week that they usually take out with some kind of signature finishing move. So... 
a lot of things that are key elements of this genre and the other franchises we're going to be looking into all lead back to Common Rider. I hadn't realized that, but when you mention all of those trends, I mean, those are staples to most action, especially superhero TV shows nowadays. So it seems it's pretty pervasive in the media. People saw this and they took the formula and just kind of ran with it. We've compared Common Rider to a Power Ranger, but honestly, it'd be more accurate to compare the Power Rangers to Common Rider because he's really the reason they exist. Like when his show took off in the early 70s, all of the merchandise surrounding Common Rider was selling like gangbusters. Like the bikes, the costumes, the, the toy transformation belts were all selling incredibly well. The problem was that this show was just about one superhero and we only got one hero every year or two. So that was really only one set of toys they could sell. So they realized it would be even better if you had a whole team of these superheroes that you could sell more toys from or have all these variations on the same character, which means more toys sold. So they kind of went back to the creator, wanted to get a team and the creator of Common Rider came back with Super Sentai, which would one day be adapted in America as the Power Rangers. So Kamen Rider has been tied to the other major franchises in this genre, literally from his inception. He's had a hand in making these characters and shows look the way they do. So for something that made such a huge impact on these types of shows, I mean, where did it come from? Who made it? Kind of going into the character origins here, um, Kamen Rider came out in 1971 and was created by Shotaro Ishinomori, who... I honestly didn't know about before researching this episode, but he's often considered to be Japan's Stan Lee. He created Kamen Rider, and as previously mentioned, he would later create Super Sentai, and he's also behind a lot of other pretty big franchises in Japan that haven't taken off quite as much here. Like, I don't know if you might remember the show Cyborg 009, the anime that used to be on Toonami. No, I never saw it. It wasn't a huge deal over here but over in japan that's considered by some to be like their first team of superheroes he's also behind a few of their other major characters that aren't as big in the genre like uh android kakaider or uh, azuma man but honestly they're obscure enough i'm not sure when if ever we'll get to those here but regardless yeah this guy came up with some of the most prolific characters in japanese superhero media so i really think the comparison to stanley is for pretty accurate now, as far as the characters' origins themselves, uh, the basic premise of the first series of Kamen Rider was that this brilliant scientist and motorcycle racer named Takeshi Hongo uh, was kidnapped by the evil organization Shocker and transformed into the cyborg Kamen Rider. He manages to escape and goes on to use his newfound powers and transformation abilities to fight Shocker and their other evil creations that show up as Monsters of the Week each episode. Now, this first season of Kamen Rider would establish a lot of the tropes for the series going forward, especially in the immediately following seasons. Some of the staples of this franchise show up very early on in the series. Like, I notice a lot of superhero properties take a while to kind of find their footing, but just kind of in trial by fire, Kamen Rider stumbled its way into the, some of the things it's known for. Probably the biggest one of these, though, is the idea of Kamen Rider being a mantle and not just one hero, which actually comes as the result of an on-set stunt accident from filming the show. Uh, within the first ten episodes, our main actor playing Takeshi got in an accident doing some motorcycle stunt, broke his legs, and couldn't be Kamen Rider anymore. 
So the show just kind of wrote out its main character, said he went to fight this organization elsewhere in the world, and brought in a totally different character to be the new common Rider fighting in his place. So he took the role of the hero for the bulk of the first season. Eventually that actor's legs healed and he was able to come back, and we then had two common Riders fighting side by side. So, yeah, due to this ridiculous onset accident, we stumbled into the idea of Kamen Rider being a mantle that gets passed down the line and some of our first crossovers of multiple riders. Yeah, when I read about that, it seemed really crazy to me that looking back, it was the 1970s, so this may have been more normal then, but that their uh, main actor for the series was also the stunt person behind the Kamen Rider doing all of the motorcycle stunts and also that they were able to work in so gracefully the motorcycle accident into what then became, as you mentioned, a, a staple to the series and then also to this kind of media in general. Yeah, if that accident didn't happen, I really do wonder if this would have just been kind of a one-season show, like have this character show up, fight the bad guys, and then just sort of retire the mantle. Because that's exactly what happened with a lot of Shotaro Ishinomori's other creations, like Android Kakaider and Izuna Man. Both are kind of similar ideas about a cyborg-like person fighting an organization that creates him, and they both only lasted one season and haven't been seen nearly as much. So, honestly, these freak accents may have been the key to Common Rider's continued success. Now, speaking of the continued success, I'd like to take a look at how Common Rider has changed through the years. Kamen Rider is one of a number of long-running Japanese franchises that gets split up into different eras that reflect certain tropes of the show and themes of the time the series are being released. These eras are named after the Emperor of Japan at the time of the series' release, and there are certainly tropes we can see change over the years. The first era of Kamen Rider was the Showa era, ranging from the series' premiere in 1971 through 1986 with the last of the original run of shows, Kamen Rider Black RX. And generally for these first 15 years, each series was kind of a repeat of the same formula, just with a new writer and costume design each time. Some series varied more than others, but generally the premise was that some heroic protagonist either experiences some freak accident or gets kidnapped by an evil organization or some cultists, gets transformed into a cyborg with the ability to turn into Kamen Rider, and then uses those powers to fight the evil organization that creates them. So generally a pretty standard repeat of the things we would see in the first season. New character, new powers, but still fighting waves of bad guys and a monster of the week each episode. But we did pretty quickly get these awesome yearly crossovers featuring every common Rider up to that point. And because these characters have a costume that covers the main hero's entire face, like a Power Ranger, it meant you could have all these former heroes show up without having to get the original actor to show up as well. Since a lot of these crossovers only last 20 minutes to an hour, it's not like we have all these Avengers banter moments between characters. You really just need a guy in a suit to show up, ride a bike, and beat up some mooks, and you've got a crossover that is more than enough to blow kids away. But after that last series in 1986, Common Rider took about a 14-year hiatus where we didn't get any new series. There were a couple movies throughout the 90s that I really would recommend fans of Ultra Mega check out, since they actually tended to be much darker than the shows, sometimes bordering on an R rating, and uh, yeah, have a few more of the sensibilities that would appeal to fans of the comic. But otherwise, there was almost no Common Rider during that period. 
but then in the year 2000 we got the start of the hisei era which also relaunched common rider in a very new style the show started to gear toward more of a younger audience with a focus on selling toys each season uh, but we also saw much more of a variety within the common riders of each season we didn't see as much of the bug themes anymore the costumes are a lot shinier and more sleek and we just get much more original ideas with this general concept of the motorcycle riding superhero. So then with such a big break between the shows, uh, what did they do to really change up the common Rider formula between the Showa and the Hisei era? I would say that generally the shows are still the Monster of the Week formula, but they seem a lot more interested in changing the premise of each season to be more than just the kidnapped cyborg fighting the organization that created them. Uh, really, the origins are all over the place in the Hisei era riders. Some of them are just people that get chosen to use some secret weapon to fight against an alien invasion. Some of them are fighting ancient artifacts that turn them into riders. Others are two people that join into one to become one. It's just there are premises all over the place and themes that really stray away from those early bug motifs like yeah, some of them are astronauts, or some of them have a car instead of a bike. One of them's like a video game-based medic. Just really crazy ideas that they're willing to throw at the wall here, and it does lead to a lot more interesting depictions of the character, even if the shows aren't quite as high in quality or production value, in my opinion. Like, honestly, I do prefer what I've seen from the older shows, but the newer ones are a little more in line with, like... They're like the midpoint between an episode of Power Rangers and a CW superhero show, like The Flash or Supergirl. Just in the level of like special effects you'll see, or insistence on using CGI regardless of how bad it looks, but still having that fun, campy superhero charm that can definitely keep an audience interested, especially younger audiences. Plus, it is always interesting to see creators get imaginative with how they translate a simple theme like i don't know a cell phone or a train into a hero their identity their suit their powers and then also get kind of I don't know, imaginative and push the bounds with what they can do technically in the studio yeah and i think what also might have helped to some extent is that the later era of writers was so separated from the original creation like shitaro ishinomori was fairly involved with the first era of common writers he even came back to write for a lot of the seasons so you know the creator was never too far from the property but sadly between the showa and hisei eras uh, shitaro ishinomori passed away so the involvement of the original creator was no longer there and while well, i think that sucks he didn't get to continue influencing his own property going into this new era of change. Uh, I think it did kind of lead for new voices to take drastically different takes on his character. So as we both mentioned before, I'm not really familiar with the genre at all, and I'm not the best when it comes to keeping up with media, but I feel like that's a pretty common thing, and I don't know many people who are familiar with Kamen Rider, so why wasn't this a bigger thing in America like it was in Japan? I mean, it seems like it was a huge thing. Yeah, and actually, I'll get into that here. So, just to kind of illustrate your point, this show is still going strong in Japan. It's actually just entered its third era, the Reiwa era, which, since it's only been going for two years, there's not really enough of it for me to judge how it differs from the previous ones yet. But as far as the show's strength, it's still making, on average, like 30 billion yen a year, which is roughly 250 million US dollars. But to add a little context to that, the other two major franchises in this genre, that being 
Ultraman and Super Sentai slash Power Rangers. Kamen Rider makes more than both of those put together. Sometimes them put together and doubled. Like, it's a very successful franchise in Japan. So why isn't it taken off here? Honestly, it's mostly due to America doing a very, very poor job handling this property in the few attempts we've had to adapt it for American audiences. Uh, the first one that came out in the 90s was called Mask Rider and was from Saban, the same company that created Power Rangers. And in fact, was even launched with a crossover episode of Power Rangers meant to be something of a spinoff. Sadly, though, the show just objectively is not good. And I'm not saying that, like, judging it by adult TV show standards. I mean, comparing it to Power Rangers or other shows that were capitalizing on its success, like VR Troopers or Big Bad Beetleborgs. This show was not the same quality as those, and it didn't last for more than a season because kids didn't like it. Even though the other shows capitalizing on Power Rangers could be said to not be that good, they at least got multiple seasons and had a very dedicated following among kids. This didn't have that. Also kind of playing into that was the fact that the show came out in the mid-90s, which was in that Common Rider hiatus. So any footage they pulled from was going to be at least five years old and looking much older than what kids were seeing in Power Rangers. And I think they just went a little too weird with how they wanted to adapt it. Like, the main character was an alien. He had a weird giant Furby puppet creature that I think kind of scared audiences. The family dynamics they introduced were really weird. And it just didn't really land with audiences at all. And in fact, it was seen as so bad that the creator did not want America to adapt any more of his ideas. So that kind of shut the book on Kamen Rider for a good while. Yeah, it seems like the bad timing was a pretty important factor in it too, because they kind of picked that up during the boom of Power Rangers and Power Rangers-like shows, like Power Rangers, Beetleborgs. I think Saban tried another Power Rangers ripoff, uh, some some Irish yeah, uh, the Mystic Knights of Tiernanag. And yeah, again, yeah. that did pretty well. Like, if it weren't for the fact it was expensive to make, it would have gotten more seasons. But as far as this hopping in on that boom and kind of missing it, like, after the first show failed, I think part of the reason we didn't see any other attempts going forward was that the Power Rangers boom was kind of over after three or four years. And most studio execs, if you watch, like, the Toys That Made Us episode on Power Rangers, you'll find out the studio execs saw footage of Power Rangers, thought the idea was incredibly stupid, and most of them told Saban no when they shot that idea around. It was really kind of a freak runaway success that Power Rangers got as big as it did. And once that hype died down, a property being something like Power Rangers was not exactly a high selling point power rangers is no longer a hot ip so selling the next best thing just wasn't that appealing to studios anymore but then in the 2010s we got another attempt to bring common rider to america with the cw's common rider dragon knight and this one was actually a pretty well received show by the people that watched it uh to the point that japanese fans allegedly actually often prefer this over the Japanese show that it takes its footage from. They felt like the way America adapted this and used their actors spliced with the Japanese footage actually made for a better story. The problem was, this show only aired at like 7 a.m. on Saturdays in the 2010s. Oh. Now that could maybe fly in the 80s, 90s, or even early 2000s, but over the years, kids got way more options of kids shows to watch any time like back when saturday morning cartoons were the only time you could see kids shows yeah playing something at 7 a.m wasn't such a problem but now that like nickelodeon cartoon network disney channel all existed kids didn't really have 
a reason to wake up at 7 a.m., turn on network TV, and watch this one obscure show that was barely advertised. So, yeah, it didn't even last its full first season, but was very well received and even won a daytime Emmy for its stunt work. So, pretty good show, just poorly managed and didn't get to get as big as it probably could have. So with a series that spans so many years, has so many different actors and themes, uh, where would you recommend getting into this? Because honestly, that was my biggest hurdle into trying to figure out where can I get an idea of what Common Rider is about. I tried to start at the beginning, which may not have been the best place, but I don't think it was really representative of even the later Showa era stuff, uh, let alone the Hisa area or even the Reiwa era. Yeah, so I've compiled three options for where to start with this that I'm gearing toward Ultra Mega fans specifically. There's a lot of YouTube videos out there kind of going over Kamen Rider that have their own suggestions of where to start. And personally, I would recommend people check out the YouTuber Markusatsu's History of Kamen Rider video, because he does touch on every single interpretation of the character and give you a quick description of all of them. So if you want to take a good 40 minutes to an hour to get kind of a crash course on the franchise, that could be a good place to start. But I know how impenetrable this franchise is. Like, what's sad is, now is the easiest time to get into Kamen Rider in America, and it's still incredibly hard to find. So, here's what I've got as far as where I would suggest you start. The first one I'd like to highlight is one of those 90s movies I mentioned earlier, and specifically one called Kamen Rider Z.O. Now, this was a TV movie that's only about 45 minutes long, but it gives you the complete Common Rider experience in one 45-minute period. We get to see some awesome action scenes, we get something of an origin of this rider facing off something like a Big Bad, and it's like the cheap Japanese 90s knockoff of a lot of 80s movies that I absolutely love, like Predator and Robocop and Terminator, just all sort of rolled into one, and because it's packaged in such a different way i don't even mind how much they're directly lifting from those franchises since it's just so fun to see it with something of a power ranger fighting things that i've seen in their own horror movies and other media definitely gonna have to check that out now as far as newer series go the one that i find most appealing is one called common rider w now, this one's a bit of a fan favorite among newer series because it's a bit darker than most of the newer shows, and it also has one of the more interesting premises and character designs that I've seen of the newer shows. This particular common Rider is a detective and kind of his tech guy or man in the chair that fuse into one being to become common Rider. Or, well, the detective transforms into common Rider and his tech buddy just passes out wherever he is while they're using these powers together. The general concept of the character is also a lot more fun, like, he's split down the middle with two different colors, and each character has a number of different colors they can use for their half of the rider that give it different abilities. So it just becomes a pretty fun play on this concept of the transforming hero. And another major reason I'd like to suggest this is that next year, this one's getting an anime follow-up to its series which is something we haven't really seen from Kamen Rider hardly is anime adaptations. And I think that's going to be a really great place to start. So for those that want to know what's going on with what I hope is a big anime in 2022, I would very much recommend checking this one out. And by the way, both of these options, uh, Kamen Rider ZO and the first two episodes of Kamen Rider W are both available on YouTube officially from Toy's YouTube channel. Now, my last suggestion here is Kamen Rider Black which for me is like my own holy grail or white whale of a tokusatsu series that 
I have been looking for something like this ever since I found out that Japan had a more serious version of Power Rangers or just finding out that this genre was a much bigger deal over there with more serious interpretations. This is the show I've been looking for. So before we go too far into this, Grant and I are actually going to watch this episode side by side. We'll be back in a moment and we'll share our thoughts on the first episode of Kamen Rider Black. Hell yeah, let's do it. And we're back. So we just finished watching the first episode of Common Rider Black. And uh, Grant, what are your thoughts? That was amazing to see both from such a long running serialized show as well as from, I mean, something that was supposed to be pretty cheaply produced and also so old. I mean, the, the, the cinematography of it, the kind of themes that they were exploring, and then also the practical effects were just amazing. Yeah, like, since discovering this episode this year, I have seen this episode three or four times, just showing it to other people, because I think it's such a solid piece of, like, 80s kids superhero media. Like, yeah, the special effects are amazing, the atmosphere is really cool, and it just feels like a team that had the same budget as, like, an episode of Power Rangers, just everyone went as hard as they could and even with a very limited budget they made everything look as good as possible and when things didn't look good they always tried to find a way to keep things in the shadow and use atmosphere and filming techniques to make their bad effects look better like it's just in my opinion this is like the best version of this genre that's still aiming for the same young target audience yeah, I'm honestly interested in watching more of Common Rider Black after just seeing this first episode, and I, I really hope they keep it up with some of the other things, because that was so cool. Yeah, I've seen only about the first six or so episodes of the show so far, and I will say not every episode has been quite as solid as this, but like, still the imagery they'll use is just awesome for the villains. I mean, like, in this episode, we saw some awesome stuff with, like, spider people, bat people, some floating cultists with an opening akin to, like, Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, and the later episodes have had other awesome villains. Like, episode four or five, he faces literally just Satan. I mean, they call it a goat god, but it is fucking Baphomet with an upside-down pentagram behind him and, like, people worshipping him and stuff. Like, Common Rider Black faces knockoff Satan within his first five episodes and it's metal as hell love it yeah if you could make it through the spe well bad special effects aside if you enjoy the first 30 seconds or a minute of this episode i the whole thing is going to be right up your alley yeah and i think that's the thing is you you can give this five minutes and if you're not liking the first five minutes yeah you can probably turn away but yeah it just it starts so well in the moment, just with this ongoing chase scene, a lot of confusion. Like, they don't really tell the viewer what's going on for a good while into the episode. And, yeah, like, the filming techniques, the atmosphere, it's really good. You had pointed out that, like, they use the camera to change perspectives between, like, the ones chasing the main character and the main character himself a bunch of times. It's a well-filmed chase scene, despite the fact that the, the floating cultist people look like a cardboard cutout floating across the screen. You can look past it because everything else is so good. Right, even after the laser flashlight eyes, I was not turned off one bit. <laughs> and that's something that would, uh, in other... I don't know, movies would it would cause me to seriously reconsider if not just turn it off and say I got better things to do. <laughs> it's kind of weird to me. Like, there's a lot I forgive because it's a kid's show. Like, the Kamen Rider's first transformation and the appearance of his, uh, like, grasshopper super motorcycle isn't really explained and 
disappears as soon, like shortly after it shows up. But like, I get it. It's a kid's superhero show. I want to see the damn superhero on the damn motorcycle as soon as you can. And yeah, I don't really care if it makes total sense. Just show me the damn toy. But like, still everything around it, they make so cool. I mean, even among common Rider costumes, I think this is like the perfect one. Or it's just that it's the best combination I've seen of like a motorcycle outfit and a superhero and like a Power Ranger superhero outfit. Like they just got all of the right elements, just enough armor, just enough cybernetic elements, and the costume is just sleek enough that like it feels like the perfect form of a common rider costume. Right? It took them 15 years, but they finally figured out how to make one of these look as cool as possible. Yeah, I mean, even thinking about what could you do today with a costume, I don't know if you could do something like that much better. That that costume was pretty perfect. And then in the first episode, they set up a series worth, at least a series worth of questions and problems for the protagonist to solve. So yeah, it's it looks like an interesting ride all the way through. In particular, like we get a bunch of cool hints and imagery early on, like starting with the chase scene and a few fight scenes. And then uh, when eventually the story slows down a bit to give us an explanation, within one five minute monologue, we get like, the character's origin, his motivation, uh, some foreshadowing of what's to come, a bunch of plot twists and reveals that seem like something that would come in a mid-season reveal, and this very special episode, all in one speech given by the character's father. And I don't, I, it just feels like very efficient storytelling throughout. Like, again, it's not 100% perfect, but, like, how do they sell me on this show within its first... 20 minute episode like i cannot believe how much they planted how much they explained and how much awesome they crammed into one episode so do you know if common rider black the rest of the season is available anywhere that i could watch it yeah so the first two episodes are on youtube and i gotta be honest warnings up front i do not know the legal status of this website but if you go to toku.fun that's t-o-k-u.fun there's a lot of content on there related to Kamen Rider, Super Sentai, and other Toku shows. And I believe they have the entirety of Kamen Rider Black and its movies all available on there. And the reason I'm willing to promote this site that I'm not aware of its legal status is because other than there, I have not been able to find this legally. Like, there's a few international DVDs I could order that are fairly expensive, but like, this isn't streaming anywhere. I can't even pay to watch it on like Amazon or Vudu or anything. And I absolutely would. I That first episode sells me enough that I would pay 30 bucks to buy this whole season. But the people behind this are just sitting on their thumbs here and kind of dropping the ball as far as an official release goes in the U.S. It's a shame that Netflix or Amazon or somebody hasn't picked this up. Yeah, and Amazon and a few of the other obscure services like Pluto TV do have a decent selection of Kamen Rider and other Tokusatsu series. Just none of them happen to have this one. So yeah, I'm really not sure why, because this is generally considered like the fan favorite of the first era of Kamen Rider. This is the one people would want. But yeah, And one of the other reasons I would like to plug this one in particular is that you get more content with this character than your average writer. Uh, in fact, I think he's the only writer that had his own immediate sequel series with Kamen Rider Black RX, where we get new costumes, new powers, and a lot of other interesting features with the same main character. And while that show is actually pretty well received, that's actually the one that got adapted into Saban's Mask Rider. So part of the reason I'm so hard on that show is because I know how good the series it's taking its footage from is. So there's really no reason for them to have made such an abomination like they did. 
So they took one of the best seasons of Kamen Rider and made it into one of the worst American adaptations of a TV show. Yeah, absolutely. And they took footage from that awesome movie as well, uh, Kamen Rider Z.O., like some of the badass like stop-motion monster fights. And just no matter how good your cheap special effects are, if the show around it is terrible, it's not going to hold my interest. This, thankfully... It has a pretty awesome story and really interesting main characters to hold my interest, so that, that's not a problem at all with the original show. But yeah, so overall, like, I'm glad to hear that a newcomer to the series that hasn't watched a ton of Power Rangers and other Japanese uh, shows like this, like, I I'm really glad to hear you liked this as well as I did, because, I like, I thought maybe this was just targeting me specifically and what I've always wanted with, like, Power Rangers, but... Or a show made with a Power Rangers budget, but willing to take itself completely seriously. Uh, th this has been exactly what I've been looking for since I was a teenager. So yeah, I'm really glad you liked it as well. Yeah, the first episode was better than some movies I've seen. But any other final thoughts before we wrap up here? No, I don't think so. Well, in that case, I believe that brings our episode to a close. We'd like to thank you again for giving our podcast a chance, and I'd love to hear any feedback. If you guys like this style of episode, any other franchises, movies, shows, anything you'd like me to cover in the genre of tokusatsu. Uh, we'd also like to give a special shout out to Ray Day Parade on Instagram for designing our logo and our editors at the record button. If you want to follow us on social media, we're on Facebook as Giant Size Violence and Twitter as at Ultramegacast. We hope you join us again on our upcoming episodes where we'll be looking into later issues of Ultramega as well as some of the other movies and shows that the comic draws its influence from. Until then, Take care and remember to do your part in preventing the spread of the kaiju virus.